Drinking with Authors contains adult themes and subjects, including discussions involving alcohol. We ask if you are drinking along to please drink and listen responsibly. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Literary Briefs. I've been drinking a lot. So welcome to our Literary Briefs episode. I am the host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is... J.M. Paquette. And amazingly, on this follow-up podcast, we have... Dun-dun-dun! Angelique slash A.M. Bocknack. Yay! Woo! Okay, so there has been... I'm just going to warn the fans in advance. There has been a lot of drinking, and we talked for a good, like, 30 minutes between... Anyway, so welcome. This is Rapid Fire Questions terrible time for me but the first question is kill me right now aren't you <laughs> oh it doesn't matter i got two of them and then it yeah i don't trust me. i don't know why i keep saying rapid fire eventually i'll be sober no i won't never mind this is going out okay so first question what is your favorite book oh, damn you're like that's like asking me who's my favorite child um who is your favorite child? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite book. You know, okay, I, I'm going to go really old school on this one because I am a huge, huge Jane Austen fan. And my favorite book she ever wrote was Persuasion. So much so I'm writing a retelling of that in a fantasy romance format. Oh, my God, that's awesome. <laughs> I have a friend that wrote a retelling of Northanger Abbey. It's called Second oh, Chances. I love that one too. I yes. always go for the the non. I always go for the underdog with everything. Like I know that's not like her like most famous novels, but yeah, I'm I always go for the underdogs. It's the slow okay. burn. It is <laughs> okay. Jane Austen. Okay, I'm gonna be honest. I haven't read Jane Austen, but okay. So then, what is your shame on you? You know what? We are not going to have judgment of the host of the show. She there is zombies to enjoy Jane Austen. Oh, I did read that. I did read that one. I had to, I, okay. I'm going to be honest. I have read, I did read the zombie one, but I have tried to read Jane Austen and it's, it's not my cup of tea. Okay. But moving on, because there are a lot of Jane Austen fans that I'm not going to alienate because I'm sure it is awesome. And one of my favorite friends in the world, an author did the Jane Austen retelling, but let's talk about your least favorite book. Oh, oh my God. You know, I think I just read my least favorite book about a month ago. Um, and that was Sarah J. Mass, A Court of Thorn and Roses. Why didn't you like it? Have you fucking read it? Yeah. No. <laughs> I, I have feelings. I'm just curious. You know, okay, so my all-time favorite, like, I'm going to call it Disney, you know, cartoon, is Beauty and the Beast. Like, I just, I've always loved Beauty and the Beast. It's like the only, like, cartoon slash movie whatever that has song and dance in it that I can tolerate. I love it because I'm not a big, you know, uh, musical fan. And I just, but I just love the whole concept of that storyline. And I'm sorry, Beauty and the Beast is not a fucking love triangle. And it wait just, a minute, wait a minute. I haven't read this book. Who is the love triangle with? So, you know, so there's the Beast, which is one of the Fae characters, like in the storyline that, that what she wrote. 
And then the whole thing, because it ends up being three books, like a three book series. And I think she's actually creating some more books to continue on with this whole stupid storyline. But the first <laughs> book is supposed to be a party. Like, I, I actually loved her Throne thrown a Glass series. Like, I really, and I feel like as a writer, like, I have a very similar writing style to Sarah J. Mass. So that was the only reason why I decided to go ahead and read The Court of Throne or The a Court of Throne and Roses, whatever the hell it's called. Um, and, but it's like, she totally bastardized her retelling of Beauty and the Beast and through a main heroine character who, like, I mean, so the, the Faye characters kept calling her a stupid human. That was the only factual bit of knowledge in the entire book because she totally was a stupid human. Tell her not to do something, she did it. Tell her don't do that, she did it. And it's just like, and then she, you know, you could totally tell she's falling in love with the bad guy who was, you know, and so it just ends with like, okay, yeah, I sacrificed everything, almost my life, and killed people to save the beast, the man she's supposed to love, to hint that it's going to move into a love triangle and she's going to ditch him in the second book and fall in love with the bad guy who she gave into in the first book. It was just, it was just horrifyingly bad. I see you have many emotions regarding this. JM, how many emotions? Oh, you know what? I didn't inter did I introduce who's talking? Did I introduce what we were drinking? I've been drinking no, a lot. Didn't, didn't we drinking. We are drinking or what we have already drank all of. <laughs> yeah, so I have um, apple cider and honey jack, and I drank a lot of that, a couple shots of honey jack, too, before we started. What are you drinking? Jam, nobody's interested in your fucking water. So what are you drinking, Blackberry. Blackberry like bubbly. Blackberry. Blackberry's good. No, I'm drinking um, traditional Bacardi lime daiquiris that I think I might have put a little too much rum in. <laughs> that is not, that's not a thing. So we're not going to say the thing. Okay. So JM, what are your thoughts of this book that is hated by all and I'm never going to get this author on the podcast. Go. <laughs> Everything that you dislike, I love. Cause I am a sucker for a, yeah, I want, I, everything like the way you feel when, when, a, when an author kills a character is the way I feel when there's like new guy, I'm like, Oh yes, new guy, throw him in the mix. Let's you see know, how this plays out. If it wasn't if it wasn't outwardly described as a Beauty and the Beast retelling, or so perfectly paralleled with Beauty and the Beast, I may not have a, have had a problem with it. Well, I'll be honest. But can I ask? Oh, sorry, can I more passionate about, about this book. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just want to like side note. How do you feel about reverse harems? They're super popular right now. Where are you on those? I have never read a reverse harem. Okay. I have no idea how I feel about them. I've never read I, one. I feel like that it's like in that zone. <laughs> I know a lot of people love the book. I, I I do, and I like I said, I absolutely loved her, the Throne of Glass series. Once I got past the first book, which was very you know high school you know love triangle, I feel like Sarah J. Mass only knows how to write love triangles. That's my fear with her. Like I bought her most recent release, which is meant to be an adult fantasy, and I wish I hadn't read. A Court of Throne and Roses last month because now I'm really turned off on reading her new book, Crescent City, which I was super excited about because I loved how her character, Aileen, developed in her first, in the Throne of Glass series because she was such a badass. Like, I love badass female characters. And so I'm struggling with how did Sarah J. Mass create Aileen and Feyre? Because they, one's a badass, one's a stupid human. <laughs> 
Wow. There's a lot of emotions regarding that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Jen, next rapid fire question before I'm what, banned what from are you reading podcast. Right now? What was that? What are you reading right now? Um, so right now I am knee deep in a romance series of books. I have discovered, I have not, until recently, I did not embrace or read romance stories. And it wasn't until the last few months that I decided to do a romance, I guess, study on romance novels that I have to figure out what I love. And I've discovered a new author. What is her name? Tonwa Finsk or something like that. Ponderosa Ranch Resort. Ooh, cowboys. I don't know. Yes, I love cowboys. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's it's funny, it's humorous, it's sexy, it's sassy, it's steamy, and I have been binge reading. I think I'm on, there's eight books in the series, and I think I'm on book number four in the last um, four days. <laughs> Again, romance erotica readers will read eight million books a month. <laughs> well, they're, they're hard to put down. You get sucked in, especially when they're such great characters. And I think that's the one thing I've learned about romance versus fantasy because you don't have to create a whole world because it's set in modern times. So there's not all this world building that has to happen. So you really can just focus in on the characters and you get so sucked in. And, and that's where your happily for nows and happily ever afters belong, in my opinion. It's there. That's a great place for them. And I accept them there and embrace them there. Well, I think it's true. And I think it's a bit of escapism. I mean, when you read a, a romance or a fantasy, you know, it's like the soccer mom putting herself in the place of the cowgirl or barkeep yeah. or whatever. I don't, I've never read these books, so I'm just making up shit. It's a Hallmark should movie. Be in them. <laughs> what? It's like a Hallmark movie. But with sex. Well, yeah. <laughs> so they're all bakers <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that rich, r- return home for the week to help their families in. Yeah. yeah, so the one I just finished was called, um, uh, uh, well, the one I'm reading now is called Sergeant Sexy Pants. <laughs> yes! I think almost every guy in this world should be called Sergeant Sexy Pants. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, do you actually write sex scenes in your books? Yes, I do. How do you feel about writing the sex scenes? Because I think one of the things that most people get wrong with writing sex scenes is... The logistics, like how many arms, legs, and penises are in this particular sex scene? You know, yeah, I don't, I thought, like when I first started, like I wrote my first sex scene in a, in a novel last November. It was because like my, 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 the science fiction fantasy series that I have out is not, it's not a romance and there's, there's some kissing, but there's no sex. Um, and I thought I was going to feel really awkward about it. And I thought it was going to be like, cause I know everybody's like, Oh, it's so embarrassing to write. And I was like, it actually, I don't know. I didn't have any problem with it. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. As a Who person. the hell are you talking to this embarrassing to write? I'm like, fuck yeah. I'm in a fucking Starbucks. I'm going to write some sex. <laughs> you know, you kind of figure <laughs> it honestly, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's like, I mean, it's a natural, healthy part of life, right? Why should we, you know, have you written any sex scenes that, are not something you've done yourself? I don't know why. You cannot answer that question. <laughs> wow. Drunken <laughs> Questioning by Erica Lance. No. <laughs> Good thing some of that sex scene is under a pen name, right? 
Yeah, no, totally. Well, it's it's interesting because I think it's kind of like writing in a location that you've never been to before. If you write a section about something that you've never done before, you have to be really creative and really pay attention to what you're writing because you can't write something that you don't know. That goes back to your comment before. If it takes place in Boston and you, you need it to be the city of Boston, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, you can't have the city of Tampa be the city of Boston. It's not the same thing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. those Bostonites are going to call you and be like, nope, that's not how it works. <laughs> those people that like threesomes are going to call me and be like, listen, that's not the way it happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fact check. Okay. Jen, what's your next rapid fire question? Um, do you read more than one book at a time? Yes. Yes, all the time. So, do you split like fiction, nonfiction? How do you how do you Sometimes, do it? Yeah, I usually always have a nonfiction book that I read. Um, you know, with with life being a little disrupted right now, but when when everything's running as normal, um, I usually get up about you know forty five minutes before anybody else in the house, and I usually spend about thirty minutes in my morning reading, you know, some kind of nonfiction craft development or personal de- you know development type book, and. Um, and I've done that for years. And then after that 30 minutes and I always just, whatever I'm reading, it's usually a, a novel fiction of some sort, but I, I, I do like right now I've been, like I said, reading through a bunch of uh, romance novels, but I also do have a fantasy book that I'm working, that I'm reading as well. And I don't, you know, so I sometimes switch back and forth between that as well. I'm not, I'm not a one book at a time, I'm not monogamous when it comes to my reading. <laughs> You make make that sound like it's a bad thing. I'm very monogamous when I'm reading. (laughs) Nothing else in my life is monogamous, but that is monogamous. I wanted to add, you mentioned getting up in the morning. Are you a morning person? Like, tell us a little bit about your your writing process. Do you write in the morning, at night? Well, you know, what, how does it work? No, I'm very much a morning person. So when I am sitting down to do, like, really focus on writing new words, that is the that is where I put my brain power first thing in the morning. I'm very much a morning person. I get up. I'm usually up. You know, when schedule's normal, five thirty in the morning is the normal time for me to get up in the morning. And um, and then yeah, so I and I kind of schedule my day. You know, make sure I do what my brain power needs to get done. I do that first. So as, as the day goes on, I can do a lot of plotting and you know, plot development things like that that aren't really focused on, you know, wordsmithing and things like that later in the day, research, um, things like that. So I, yes, I am very much a morning person and that is when I think the best. Wow. Yeah. What about you, Jen? You're a night person though, aren't oh, yeah. you? And, and now that I'm not teach all my classes moved online, my schedule, I go to bed at four and I sleep until noon. This is peak operating performance for oh, me. Yeah. I am awake uh, all night. No, like, see, so you're going to bed when I get up. <laughs> Yes. So when we go back to face-to-face classes and I have to be there at 930, it's going to be a little rough. Yeah, no. My husband's like that. He's more of a night person than I am. He's, he's, I'm usually in bed a couple hours before he comes to bed because he's, he's a night owl. Yes, yeah. Like my husband and my daughter will go to bed and then I'm on the computer writing, you know, grading, working, whatever, and then come to bed (laughs) hours later. Okay. So how many words do you write a day? It varies. 
I, I try to sit my goal. My daily goal is a minimum of a thousand words a day. That's what I shoot for. Um, and if I really sit down and focus and concentrate, that takes me about an hour to do. Um, like right now being home a lot, I have been trying to like up that and, I've had, you know, a couple weeks where I did really great and I got down like five or 6,000 words a day and it was awesome. Um, but I find that that can be a little taxing to sit down because it, it can be very taxing on the brain to sit down and write for long periods of time like that. But, you know, my goal is a thousand words. What are your distractions? What are the things like when you're writing? Do you listen to music? Do you write in a certain place in your house? Are you better in crowds? What are your besides Facebook, um, which is a distraction for all of us? But what what are your distractions? You know, I, I when I'm writing, I need complete silence, like no music, no discussion, no noise, no bat. You know, so it's it's been a little hard. I think I think that's been the challenge the last couple of weeks with like my husband working from home and all this, and my kids are home and starting Monday, I got to start homeschooling my kids. So that's going to be super fun to figure out. Um, but no, like I like really my biggest distraction right now is reading. I keep getting sucked into these books and then I get up in the morning. I'm like, okay, I'm stopping by 10 o'clock and I'm going to start writing. And the next thing I know, it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm like, shit. And, and you started the next book in the series. Yeah. Yeah. That's been my biggest distraction lately because when you find a good book series, it's hard to stop. You know, yeah, and so, but and I think as authors, we and we are such avid readers generally that we do yeah. get sucked into books really easily. And I, and I keep telling myself it's research. <laughs> it's totally legit working. It is. I'm like, this is me working. I guess it's entertaining, and yes, I'm sucked in, and I love it. But it's research for the style of books that I want to write and the type of interactions between characters that I want to improve upon. Like, cause I said, in the, like the last, you know, new podcast, I, I am much more of a, a plotter and not so much on the character development. And so I do spend a lot of time studying character development to try to improve upon that in my own writing, because, and let's face it, we read books and we love books in large part because of the characters that we connect with. Right. And so, yeah. So, yeah, I tell myself that all my reading is research, even if it's not. <laughs> How is your dialogue? How do you feel you do with dialogue? Um, pretty good. Uh, that's something I feel like I do a pretty good job at, like, balancing, like, the dialogue and making it really natural and, um, like, a normal conversation and balancing that with internal reflections and narrative um, it wasn't so much in the beginning. I definitely think that's a, it, that's a skill that an author and a writer develops with time because um, it doesn't always feel natural to write dialogue when you first start writing. But I feel pretty good about my dialogue now and, and having a nice balance dialogue with, you know, internal emotional reflection on the characters of what's happening during that, that, that conversation. Do you ever find a character difficult to write? Yes, I do. Very much so, especially if they're supposed to be a touchy-feely character. <laughs> <laughs> if they're supposed to be nice, I don't like them. A nice character. When I think about my moral compass in my books, you know, because, you know, I struggle with the moral compass because I'm just like, can we, ugh. But every, you know, but it's, yeah, so definitely, I definitely struggle. Like, I can write the smart ass like it's nobody's business. <laughs> What about um, beta readers? Do you? We didn't talk about that yet. Do you use beta readers? Yes, I do. I do. I have. Um, I have a, a, a few trusted um, 
beta readers that I call upon regularly who who I know are going to give me honest feedback on 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 the work because I mean I think that to me I think beta readers are some of the most valuable things we can have as as writers and you know no matter how perfect we think something is you know if you have a good group of beta readers they're always going to help you make it even better that's very very true I agree so let's talk about criticism for a moment I don't know why I'm going here but we're going here so um do you read your reviews I do I do yes and and what- Describe yeah. what they utilize, what you utilize them for. So, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate. I've had, I've had a lot of, I've had mostly really great reviews, and you know, I really kind of hone in on those, like what I call those, those three star reviews. Those kind of like they were just warm about the work. They didn't hate it, but they didn't love it, right? You know, and I think that was where I really learned. And at first I was like, you know, it's hard to hear it. Cause you're like, Oh, do they really feel that way? You know? But I think those reviews on my very first book were where I first really recognized and understood how plot driven I was in my writing process. And that my character development needed some work, you know, cause you're always going to have like, cause there's more critical reviews that I, I did receive they're, the downfall, the reason why I got the little bit lower review was because they had a hard time connecting with my characters. And, you know, it's easy sometimes to just be like, eh, they don't know what they're talking about. But I, I try to be that person that's like, okay, step back. They said that for a reason. Let's figure out why. And um, so that really led me to do a lot more in-depth character study and figure out what I needed to do to improve my character development to try to make it as stellar as my plot development. Because um, I think it is hard for authors to really do both of those things really, really well. But if you want to write a stellar novel, you need to have great characters and a great plot. It's not good. It's not enough to have just one or the other. Um, at least not in my opinion. You need both to really write a phenomenal book. And so... I read my reviews for that reason, you know, and some of them are just like, you know, you can blow them because there's, they just didn't like it. People aren't, sometimes aren't just going to like something that they read, right? But if they pinpoint down to a specific reason they didn't like it and they actually identify that, it's worth our time as writers to, to really listen to that and figure out, you know, why the author might have felt that way, or I'm sorry, the reader might have felt that way. And how can we improve upon our future writings to try to avoid that kind of review in the future? And I think that's a point to bring up to all of you guys out there, whether you're an author or not, when you're writing a review for a book, I think it's important for you to communicate why you liked it or why you didn't like it or anything like that. Because one of the things is we can have a great idea in our head as a writer, but if we don't get clear communication about the plus points and the negative points about our writing, we can't do anything to fix it. If you're just like, yeah, no, it was great. I liked it a lot. That actually does nothing for us. Doesn't it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Especially when they, they say that with a three-star review, I'm like, okay, so you didn't really love it. So tell me more so that I can, I mean, cause I, I mean, I, I always, everything I do is a work in progress always and I can be writing for another 15 years and it doesn't mean even 15 years from now I'm going to know everything I need to know about writing or everything's going to be perfect and so that's how I that's how I review that's how I look at reviews even though sometimes it's hard to hear but you know I think it's important that we look at them as 
opportunities to improve upon future writing rather than letting it tear us down and make us feel bad in that moment. Have you ever gotten a one star review? I have. Yes. That was the person who said she was never going to read my work again because it was too depressing. Cause I <laughs> obviously not your audience go there. <laughs> she was not my audience. And that's how I looked at that. It's like, yeah, okay. I was obviously not, you know, that was what I was like, well, did you read the description? You should have read the description. Cause if you read the description, you would have known it wasn't going to have a happy ending, <laughs> but she read the first book. And then she also read the second book, even though she gave the first book a one star, she still read the second book. And then she gave it a one star too. <laughs> you know, well, my whole thing on that is thank you for giving me your money. Exactly. I thank you. No, I think that's important yeah. is that we're not going to please every, my audience is not the same as your audience and JM's audience is not the same as your audience. And, you know, you're allowed to not like a book that you read. I think though, that if you, if you do not like something about it, being constructive about it is actually helpful and not, I just didn't like it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I'm of those that I try, like I, I have given books negative reviews only if I was really passionate about how I felt about them, like the book we discussed earlier. Um, but if I just don't like a book because it didn't speak to me because of maybe it was the age group the book was about or something, those I, I, I don't review those books. I just kind of like, yeah, that wasn't for me. It was well written. I can see why people would have loved it, but it just wasn't my book. It wasn't for me. Like, cause I can't, you know, cause I don't feel like my, that's a fair, because I'm an author. I don't feel like it's fair to re, to, to put that in a negative review just because you know, I agree with you. If it's not your book, don't review it. If you yeah. start reading a book and it's not your cup of tea, don't review it because you're not going to get the right opinion of the book. You're not the audience for the book. If you're the audience for the book, you have something to say, say it. Yeah. Um, I agree. We have to, we have to wrap up soon. So what is your advice to aspiring or current authors out there? What is your advice to them? Write a lot and let a lot of people read it and give you their opinion on it. Cause that's the only way you're going to get better. I agree with that a hundred percent. Okay. How do we find you, my friend? Um, well, you can find me online at ambochnak.com. That is my author website. Or you can find all of my work on like Amazon, iBooks, uh, Barnes and Nobles online, um, whatever your major reading preference is, my books will be there. And what is your next book coming out? My next book is actually coming out on April 21st, so really soon. Um, the third book in my Magical Bond series called um, In a Aftermath. Um, no, wait, what is it called? Holy crap, what is my book called? Um, in the Wake of. In the wake of what the hell is my book? I love drama. I had too much to drink. I can't even remember the name of my book. In the wake of. (laughs) Oh my god, I love that. Okay, what is the name again? In the wake of rebellion, book. Oh my god, I love drinking with authors. This is why I love it. Okay, you have been a fantastic guest. It has been thoroughly entertaining to have you on the podcast. For having me. Thank you for coming. Thank you. I am your host, Erica Lance. Jen Paquette. And we will see you next time on Drinking with Authors.